Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. And this next episode that you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely is a premium maternity and nursing brand that makes it easy for mothers to find functional, stylish, comfortable clothing. Since launching in 2015, Kindred Bravely has grown into a sisterhood of mums who help each other transition from the bump to the breast and beyond. Kindred Bravely is here for mums no matter where they are on their motherhood journey. Their mission is a comfortable bra in every nursing mother's wardrobe. They offer premium, super soft fabrics, including bamboo and organic cotton. They have supportive wire-free bras for a variety of sizes, including special busty sizing, and as well as bras for all occasions, nursing, pumping, sports bras, sleep and comfort bras, and versatile everyday bras, as well as undies, loungewear, sleepwear, and activewear. If you want to check out their amazing selection of clothing, you can visit kindredbravely.com. And if you use my discount code, homeschool20, you'll save 20% off on your purchase. And to make it easy for you, I've included kindredbravely.com in my show notes, so it's an easy click away, as well as the discount code homeschool20 to save 20% off. And keep on the lookout because Kindred Bravely and Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids will be running a special giveaway coming up soon. Just look for the details on Instagram or Facebook at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and founder and host of this podcast, and I'm an unschooling mom to two kids. So I'm living the journey right along with you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and if this is not the first time you've listened, as well, welcome. I do want to just say I appreciate every time you tune in, or even the first time you tune in as well. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and have found it beneficial, please leave a review. It really does help. You can leave stars. I've got some fantastic five-star reviews, as well as I love reading the comments that you leave. So for example, like this one, wonderful resource. The review's from Gail Ellen 45 and Gail had said, I've been devouring this podcast since discovering it a few weeks ago. I started homeschooling my kids last fall due to COVID and discovered it was an unexpectedly good fit. There was definitely room for improvement. Now that we've decided to keep going, I've been trying to learn as much as possible and figure out how to make our learning experience the best it can be. This podcast has been beyond helpful in helping me feel less alone and has really opened my eyes to the incredible opportunities that exist for my family. Even the episodes I think won't be relevant are extremely helpful. And I've discovered so many other amazing people and resources through the interviews. Robin, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your review, Gail Ellen45. Uh, I'm trying to get through all of them and share 
everyone that I can, and I, I truly appreciate and do read all of them, so thank you. Another way that you can support the podcast is by joining our Patreon community. If you go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. And not only will you be supporting the podcast, but you'll be also part of a wonderful community that gets some wonderful bonuses, extra episodes, any special shares, previews to some things that I'm creating, uh, feedback, as well as a monthly live Q&A with me. So to this episode, you know, Really in this podcast, I am so grateful because I get to have the chance and specifically choose to do this, have many wonderful, diverse episodes that really the biggest part of it is to offer or give you the chance to hear from different perspectives and viewpoints. I think that's really important because we all come from different perspectives and viewpoints and experiences. And the thing with home education or unschooling, homeschooling, it it looks different in every home. It's not prescriptive. It's because of how we are each uniquely different, our learning lives will look uniquely different. And sure, there may be some commonalities and similarities, absolutely. There may be some processes that I personally feel are important for all of us to go through, like de-schooling, for example. But, um, you know, really... I think that even when there are differences, we can still learn from each other. So one thing first that I want to share is if you're looking for maybe a bit more information and community, I'm actually going to be part of a wonderful virtual convention called From Nothing to Anything. And it's a virtual virtual convention celebrating de-schooling and unschooling. And I'm a keynote speaker on day one, and I'm talking about de-schooling, what we're challenging, what we have to accept or not accept, and connecting with trust. So that virtual convention is April 23rd and 24th. I'll leave the link in the show notes. You can also go to actually the Genius School website, and this is put on by Kareem Akila of the Genius School to find out more information, but you can also go to my, my social media where I'm sharing it as well. But the link to register is in the show notes. It's April 23rd, 25th. Come join me for inspiration, conversation. We will get a chance to connect and amazing resources as well. So this episode brings, I think, together some of the wonderful viewpoints, stories, and perspectives that I get to share on this podcast. And this guest, Carlene Krevkor, is actually, she's been on the podcast before, and I really recommend you go and check out the first episode with her, and she's back. She is a home schooling parent to five kids who are now fully grown. Um, But she also, we talked a little bit about her book in the first interview, but her book is fully out now. And I actually, I really encourage you to get it. It's so good. It's called Pressure Makes Diamonds. And it's from homeschooling to the Ivy Leagues, a parenting story. It's her story. It's her family story. And in the first interview when she's on this podcast, you'll, when you listen to it, you'll get to hear a lot of their beginnings and how they came to be, why they chose to homeschool. She is a doctor, both of her and her husband are doctors, and why she chose to leave her practice to be home with her kids to homeschool them, and how she supported them through, through their interests, their, um, 
you know, their life, but also through the rough patches too. She um, has battled cancer uh, and how they as a family still continue to homeschool and connect and support each other and really ultimately support her in, in her battle with cancer as well. Carlina's back, and she now, her children are now all grown, um, all attended Ivy League schools, and, you know, really, she's healthy, and she's back with her book, which I've linked in the show, show notes. I really recommend that you check it out. But also now, she has decided to follow a life of public service, and she has just recently been elected public school board trustee in her area. So this conversation is wonderful because we talk a little bit about their beginnings, uh, we talk about the book, and we also talk about her viewpoints on education and supporting community, especially now in her new role as well. Uh, I always love the conversation with Carlene. She really does, you know, she wears her heart on her sleeve. And um, I know many who loved our first conversation, and I know you will this one as well. So enjoy the episode. I'd love to hear feedback. And check out my social media because I'll be sharing more about her book on there as well. And we'll see. We'll might be, we're kind of rolling into a new, I think, spring for giveaways is what I'm kind of thinking. So just keep an eye out of what's to come. Okay. Welcome. Today, I'm very excited because I have a guest who is returning for a second time on the show, and I'm extremely grateful to have her back. Carlene Krivkua is back again. And actually, I'll give you her bio first as an introduction, and then we will get into the episode. So I do recommend, if you are just learning about Carlene right now, I listen to her first episode, which was Homeschooling to the Ivy Leagues. That was the title of that episode. I recommend that you listen to that episode and you will get um, a larger background of her family and how they came to homeschooling, a lot of their purpose and their why and what it looked like for them and how she went from homeschooling five children (laughs) all the way to the Ivy Leagues. Uh, it, it was. It's a great story, and Carlene is an inspirational parent woman in so many ways. And I recommend you listen to that episode as well. And then this episode will be the icing on the cake for you as well. It'll be the special treat. <laughs> so, Dr. Carlene Krivkur is a Haitian American board certified obstetrician and gynecologist, a wife, and a mother of five adult children. She was raised in New York and attended St. John's University as an undergraduate, earning a bachelor's degree in chemistry. She did her medical school and residency training at SUNY Downstate. After several years of medical service in New York and Pennsylvania, Carlene gave up her career to raise and homeschool her five African-American children. Her homeschool journey is told in her new memoir, Pressure Makes Diamonds, From Homeschooling to the Ivy League, A Parenting Story. She has volunteered on education boards such as WPSU, Local Public Radio, and NAAHP, the National Association for the Advancement of Haitian Professionals, and sponsored many public health programs. Dr. Krevkur has recently won her school board election race, congratulations, making her the first black person in her school district to do so. Wow, 
Welcome and congratulations. That's fantastic. Wow, thank you. It sounds good. I'm thinking, is she talking about me? <laughs> I'm talking about you. Yes, I am. <laughs> thank you for that introduction. So um, I wanted to ask, well, actually, also, you wanted to say something before we begin. So I don't miss that. And I don't forget. I, I wanted to give you space first to, yes. to, uh, to speak. Um, the last time I was on your podcast, I had mentioned about my health and um, I didn't want to dwell too much on it. And I mentioned it, and it's also part of the book, because when you homeschool, these things are things that could happen. And I wanted to give my viewers and the people that read my book the full spectrum of how it is to homeschool your kids, because we had spoken this and there's no substitute teacher. But so I didn't want to dwell too much on that point about my illness, but it was so amazing that people wrote into me on my website to say how my health is doing and they hope I do well. And I was really touched by that. So I want to say thank you to everybody that reached out to me. That was very touching. All right. Thank you for acknowledging that as well. I know many will appreciate hearing that too, and that you received the messages as well. So, um, well, maybe this is actually a good place to begin then, because I have been reading the advanced copy of your book. It's fantastic. Very well written. I'm always, I'm like, where does she get time to write? How does she do this? <laughs> I need to, I need to take a workshop from you, I think on that. So, um, but, but in all seriousness, beginning the book, to start the book, you begin with your, with your journey of, um, really, I mean, you were stage three cancer and it wasn't, it was, um, you fought, you fought for your life in that. Why did you choose to begin your story with that, your book with that? Um, two reasons, and they could be like two different reasons, but they're the two that comes to mind. The first thing is that whenever you get a bad diagnosis of an illness, um, you go through these stages of grief denial, anger, and acceptance. And I think one of my reasons for acceptance was the fact of homeschooling my kids. You know, when you're working, I was a physician, top of my game. I, you know, um, I had a lot of patients and I love what I did. And so homeschooling, like we said, was never part of the plan. You know, you always think you'll have time with your kids, you'll have time on vacation, you'll have time when you retire. But I was when I was forced to homeschool because my kids didn't want to go to school anymore they and my other one was injured, I gave up my job to homeschool my kids. And those were the best years of my life. I enjoyed it. And then at 49, I get diagnosed with stage three cancer. And I'm thinking, oh my God, but if this was to happen though, the time that I had spent with my kids was so wonderful. And mm -hmm. so this was my acceptance that I still didn't want to die. I want to see grandkids later on. But I knew that I had just lived some of the best moments of my life. And that made having the cancer not acceptable, but at least I could accept it. And so when I wrote that chapter in my book, it was initially in the middle of my book because I went chronologically about how I started homeschooling, then the cancer, and then afterwards. And when I wrote that part, it was so powerful. Like when you write, you want to, you want your reader to feel what you're feeling. You want them to feel mm -hmm. the wind on your face. You want the anger, the pain. And when I wrote that chapter, I really put everything in there. And then I cried after writing that chapter because I really felt it. I was living it again. 
And so when some of my readers first read it, the, my, my drafts, they said, wow, that part was so powerful. You have to start with that. That really captures you. So those were the two reasons why I, um, I changed it to the beginning to also tell parents that, yeah, you're going to homeschool and there's a lot of beautiful things about homeschooling, but yet you could get sick. These are the things that could happen. And so be prepared for that. And um, and just know that it's not going to be all uphill, you know, all downhill, like all easy, because there will be some conflicts. There will be some adjustments. So those are the two main reasons why I felt opening with that is was was needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really powerful. Absolutely. Um, and I do get questions and I actually it, after your episode and I've directed families to your episode because um I've been asked, you know, what do I do when I'm homeschooling, want to homeschool, and there is an illness in the family? When I have an illness, when someone else is dealing with an illness, is it better to um, deal with it and send the kids back to school? Or how do we manage? How do we still live our family and learning life along with this other illness that is part of us now for the moment or for long term? What what would you say to that? I I would say it depends on the kids and their ages, because my kids were teenagers and we had kind of the homeschooling um, ritual or protocol already in motion. So a lot of the times they were really self-sufficient. You know, I was checking their work and, you know, making sure that they understood their work. But I didn't have to tell them, you have to go do this now. You have to go do that now. They were doing these things even before I told them, or they were they were moving their education to areas that they wanted to study. They were mm. taking the rein at that point. So because of that, and this is something that I mentioned too, I felt that that was when I got cancer, if you ever have to get it, that to me was the best time for a mom because at that time the kids were in autopilot. They were self-sufficient. They weren't toddlers, you know? Um, And so that to me helped a lot in the process. And I also gave them the choice and my oldest had graduated. So she was in college already. My son right after her was getting going to get his license. So they had their violins and stuff like that. So he offered to drive them to places for their music so that that wouldn't be interrupted. Um, Two of my kids wanted to go back to school and two didn't. They wanted for me to, my off chemo days, I work with them and I check their work. The two that did want to go to school, I let them do that also. And I still check their work whenever I was not sick enough, you know, when I was not well well enough to do so. So I also gave them the choice. I didn't want it to be, you know, um, like a dictatorship, like they had to do what Mm -hmm. I had to do. Because at this point, you want to not negotiate with them, but you want to take your kid's opinion. You know, Mm -hmm. you want them to have a say in their education and they surprised me they they were really very motivated yeah I think um I I personally that's my belief is that you know learning is such an internal process it's such an internal uh, way of not only being but doing acting thinking growth right it's an internal growth process and when we begin to take ownership in our learning in that process when we begin to own it and act upon that Mm self-ownership that's when it's like oh 
that's when it all kind of, you know, all comes into place, when it becomes so meaningful, when it becomes so life-giving, when it becomes that lifelong learning, because exactly we own the process now. We're making <laughs> yes. the choices. We're like, yes. this is for me. This is not for my mom. This is not for my exactly. principal. This is not for the neighbor. It's for me right now. Yes. And education is not in a vacuum. And this was what I wanted mm. my kids to take out of homeschooling. Education is all around you. And so my illness was part of the education journey, um, the, the Haiti earthquake that I mentioned in the book, the killing of Trayvon Martin, how did that affect them? Education was not just something you read in a book and you just leave after three o'clock. It it's continues. And so I remember my son, I think he was about eight years old and he was on a swim team and he just kept looking at these little kids. We just went for practice and the little kids, the younger ones came in after us and he just looked at them and he goes, mom, they're not diving correctly. And he says, I wonder what the perfect angle would be for them to maximize their, you know, their, their swimming lens. <laughs> he was like, hey, he researched it and he wrote a paper on it and he won. <laughs> you know, it was just, but that's it from swimming to the angle to math. He was looking at patterns in life. Right. You know, it's not just one thing. You don't learn about math, just in math class. He was yeah. putting his math knowledge to swimming and the angles of it. I was just, overtaken by that and so he goes mom I think I want to go read on that I think I want to go look that up I said sweetheart <laughs> go ahead go. <laughs> that is yours you did <laughs> exactly so. yeah that that is that is math as well in that way right the understanding the application and this is how it's applying to my life and I want to find out more the problem solving exactly. and that curious spark that happens exactly. with it. and you know what it doesn't stop once you start with that when they're young, it continues. Um, there was this thing, because now he knows I'm on the school board. He was telling me about how you could match teachers to the proper school. And he, mm. he takes, he takes because he's in economics, he takes world problems and try to solve it mathematically. I think right. that's genius, but it started since he was young, you know? And so when you see that kind of knowledge, that's kind of creativity, that child that wants to learn, you don't get in their way. <laughs> you you yeah. just let them run with it. And, and they really surprise you. Yeah, they do. They do. That's right. You don't get in their way. That's right. <laughs> I think that's the other, the other part of learning for us as parents is to get out of their way. Yes. Because we so want to, we so want to yeah. be right there, you know, exactly. directing, taking it for ourselves in some ways, but it's, you know, stepping out of the way and saying, okay, this is yours. It is. It's good. And it's bad because especially when that time when I was ill um, and they were kind of on autopilot, I was like, oh my God, they don't need me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You want them to not need you, but when they really don't need you and they're doing it on their own, you feel, you know, you're, you've been fired. Right. That's true. That is so true. You're like, what's my purpose here now? Yeah, absolutely. But you're so yeah. proud of them that it doesn't last long. You know, you just feel so happy and so proud of them. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can go back a little bit and just, you know, talk about your homeschooling. Um 
And I, I think everyone probably listening gets an idea of really what was important for your family as well when you're homeschooling. But what were some of the, the big themes or those big values that were core for your family with homeschooling? Or how did homeschooling support those core va family values that you have? You, you nailed it with family. Um, mm. And that's my immediate family. And that's my extended family. I could not have done it without family, without, it's so good to talk to my husband, but it's not on everything I could talk to him too. And so I like having these different family members that I could run things by. And I know that they'll always have my back. They'll always encourage me. And for people that are not close with family or they have a very small family, if you have close friends, people you could count on. And I think that's it. I think when you feel you have people you could count on, you could rely on, and you could do the same for them, you'll never be alone because it takes a village. It's so true. It, I don't think that a lot of things you could do on your own. It's so good to have people to shoot ideas by, people that will stand by you, people that could give you advice and vice versa. And so for me, that was my family. And even with my pregnancies that I talk about, um, my twins were very, it wasn't an easy pregnancy. And I had to call on my parents to come and help me, mom, dad, I need you, you know, <laughs> and they came right over and I was on bed rest for a long period of time. And, you know, and then when I was sick, my sister came to help, my brother came to help, my, my sister-in-law came to help. You know, I, I couldn't have done it without them. And they know so much how much I love them. And, um, and I would do the same for them. And even my nuclear family, my kids now, you know, when they found out that I won, mom was so proud of you. So <laughs> I said, wait a minute, the tables are turned now, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to be proud of you. So mm -hmm. I think family is so important, but with family, either your families or not, belief in yourself is my other value that mm. you have to believe in yourself because if you don't, then no one else will. And you know what? You may not always be successful, but you gave it your best shot and you did it. And if you have to run again, if I didn't win, maybe I would run again. You know, maybe I would learn from my mistake. But I think the failure is not trying at all. Right. Um, and so that's is why I always tell my kids, go for it, go out there and speak up and do your best. And that's all you could ask of them. You know, you can't be afraid. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about your election because you're talking about you won. So we're talking about you just ran for school board trustee. You're yes. in Pennsylvania. What area exactly or what district? Would that it's be? central Pennsylvania. Central. It's, okay. It's okay. central. So it was not, especially with this school board these days, you know, there's a lot of anger issues of mass mandate and all these curriculum changes. So um, it was kind of towards the end of my school board race that a lot of these issues started popping up and um, school board beating started to get a little out of hand. Um, so um, the environment was not the best to run on, but mm -hmm you basically have to tell people the truth on where you stand and why you stand. And when I went door knocking, which was something that I thought I would hate, I thought I was like, oh my God, I have to bother <laughs> people, they're gonna slam the door in my face. But that's not what happened. There's always, there's a few that it did happen. It was, but overall the, um, 
it was a positive experience. Um, people asked me questions and this is what I was there for. And I said, I'm not going to tell you one thing and go tell somebody else the other thing just to get your vote. I'm going to be mm -hmm. consistent. And they said, I appreciate that. I said, I always want to be honest and tell you the truth and where I stand. And if you show me evidence that I should change my opinion on, then I will. You know, I, I am open minded. But before I speak on a topic, I do a lot of research. I just don't, you know, so um, and people like that. They like the honesty. They like where I was coming from. And I gave them facts. And so um, so that was that was a very interesting experience for me. I really did not expect that I had to put up signs all over the place and go knocking, <laughs> you know, for school board, but it was pretty competitive. And yeah. um, so that was, that, that was a very interesting uh, part of my life. <laughs> and, um, and I did it. I did it because my kids are grown now. They're all out of school. And one thing that a superintendent did tell me years ago when I was questioning him about some of the homeschool policies that they have in the districts. And I, I was against it, you know? Um, and so I was always in his office and we got to be pretty close. And he said, you know what? You're one of these mothers that should be on the PTO or on the school board mm -hmm. because you have a lot of ideas, but instead of being in the system and fighting for these ideas, you just take your kids out and say, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. And when he said that, you know, being on the school board or whatever was the last thing that was on my mind, you know, at that time. But the way he said that made me feel like, am I being selfish? Am I just taking my kids and, you know, and say the rest of you guys, I don't care about you. And I said, well, how I justified it in my mind was that I have a responsibility to my kids first and foremost, mm -hmm. you know, first and foremost. And so I knew that changing the school board's opinion or whatever, it's going to take time. It's not something that's going to be overnight. And yet, and then my kids are going to be grown by the time they do change one of their curriculum or something. And I didn't want to wait that long. And, you know, so, but I also said, yeah, we'll see, maybe, you know, and I just <laughs> it like that. And then when maybe is now, and I was able to do it and I could devote myself to it. Um, I, I'm in a better position to do it now. And so I said, I'm going to take him up on it. I'm going to do it, you know? So is he, that's, is he still a superintendent? No, he, he was there for like one year when we, I came and then he left after that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my fights and a lot of my um, things with the school district, I had to kind of do it on my own. He was not my backer anymore. So right. Um, right. It, it's important. I think for any families that are listening, if you are um, depending, you know, depending where you are, it's going to change your regulations for homeschoolers and what you have right. to do. So some do have to register with a charter school or with a school board where we live we um have to register with the school board it's your choice of what school board you want to register with though um they've just put in a few other options just like this past year but traditionally that's how it is so sometimes um sorry i just got distracted because there's a beautiful buck deer that's right in my yard right here outside of the window <laughs> Um, <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> I should tell my son here, actually. Um, but many times, if you're in, you're in a situation where sometimes, if you're connected to that, you it is important to have an advocate. 
someone who you can communicate with, who maybe has, even if they do have differences, there's some parts, some perspectives that they can get, that they can understand, that who, who will be someone that you can share things with or speak with or just get things off your chest or say, you know, this isn't working and this is why. Here's an example. Because to make those changes, especially within the very strong system, the school system, yeah. if, you know, many times they'll say, well, you know, well, why should we change it? I don't see here where we need to. Um, and sometimes you're in that lane and mm-hmm. you forget that there's others and other lanes alongside of you. <laughs> and it, it is important, I feel, to have that perspective, especially now as mm-hmm. the world has really shifted and has how education and access has shifted. Mm-hmm. Sometimes within the system, you get stuck in there. And you also forget there's a whole other world that's actually happening and building and has been created outside of it as well, too. And some people want the overlap, some don't, but the communication is really important, I find, actually. And the perspective Mm -hmm. is really important as well. Um, So I think it's great that you run because you can provide a perspective that is important for staff within the system, educators, and students as well and for families like that and that for the broader community too so you know as a and I get why as a homeschooler because I'm like you're a homeschool mom that's what I get you know I'm on the board as well well why is a homeschool mom running for a school board trustee like you you left the system you chose to exit out so you're not allowed in anymore kind of thing, right <laughs> this is not your business because you're not in this business at all <laughs> I disagree but why why is it important for you what other reasons make it important for you well I've been in this community for like the past 16 years. So it's Mm -hmm. not like I didn't know uh, my kids didn't participate in the school district. And so I have a lot of ideas that I want to pass through. And also I think for diverse community that we are, they have to have diverse ideas. I'm the first Mm -hmm. black um, person Mm -hmm. on the school board after how many years? I I don't think that should have, I should not have been the first. And people congratulate me for that. But I said, you know, I'm glad we're changing, we're expanding, we're becoming more diverse. But at the same time, I would like when that's not a thing anymore, like you're the first this, you're the first that. I I just want it to be, we're all individuals, we're all people, we're all diverse, and we're helping for the betterment of our children because we all live in this area and we want the best for them. And so whenever I start a discussion with anyone, I said, okay, we want the best for the children. How do we approach that? You know, either, you know, different mass mandates or whatever. At the bottom line, we want the best for our children. And so that's that's the, our goal. And so this is, and so I think that diversity issue is important because some of our minority children are not doing as well as some of the other students. And I feel like if I could be a role model, um, then I definitely want that. You know, mm. I want to go out there and I could tell them to believe in yourself because it is possible. You do have to. And, and so many things that I read about how do you raise a confidence child? And the confidence thing is so important. How do you get a child to believe in themselves? Because once you get there, the rest is so easy. But it has to start from I could do this. You know, yeah. it, I may not do it as fast. I may not do it on the first try, 
but I could do this if I stick at it. And so this is what I want to um, convey to the students. And also I wanna be a different voice that they haven't heard from before in our community. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to talk within ourselves and mm -hmm. yet the other community does know what we want. And so I wanna be able to bridge that, you know, I wanna be able to give diverse opinions on issues that, you know, people don't think is important. I remember when I was in high school, senior year, um, you know, you're getting ready for the prom and everything else. And then the school board passes this thing about where before you could graduate, you have to learn how to swim. And for, what? yeah, and for black girls, that became problematic, especially those that had perm or weeds. Right. Yes. That was a big issue. And so I ran track and I didn't have to succumb to that because I was exempt from that. But for other kids that started cutting class, they cut it, started cutting gym for the first time. And, you know, they was like, I'm not taking gym. I can't do this. And I, no one asked us, you know, mm -hmm. I think that would have been important to get our feedback. Maybe we could have done it in the summer. Maybe we could have done it as last period because then you're going home anyway. I mean, something as trivial, you may think, but it wasn't trivial for us black girls, you know? Yep. And so it's issues like that, that, you know, somebody could say, wait a minute, what, are, you know, are we thinking about everybody? Are we thinking about all our students here? You know, um, it wasn't it wasn't right. So, I mean, things like that, I think that and there's a lot more examples than that. But I think things like that is good to get diverse opinion on how people feel about it. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that is also part of our democratic process as well, right? Exactly. We are representing the people, um, the people choose. And that's a beautiful part of, I mean, I can go on this whole thing about democracy, but I think this is a perfect example, a level of local democracy. Mm -hmm. um, here in Canada, we have seen some provinces who have, that have eliminated school boards um, and I think that's a big problem. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't support that because I think that this is we're a direct line to the community and parents to the broader community or to something which schools still for whether you're homeschooling or in school or part of a school or not. Schools still make a hub for many communities. They still provide services for the broader community. They are sometimes here in our rural areas, they are many times the community centers. Exactly. Now the, the gym is partly owned by the school and by the community. So it can be a place to gather. It's a place to have events. It's for speakers to come in. Um, sometimes family services are hosted within the school you know it's usually a hub for many other places so yeah it is you know it's it's very important to to have a representative mm -hmm. chosen by the people and this is someone you know you're you're right there you're not someone right. who's in you know I don't I'm trying to where is it in Pennsylvania DC. Oh, DC. Okay. So, yeah. Or so DC or, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're quite removed. Right. And most likely right. you're never going to see them. Maybe you can write right. them a letter or email, but it's like, are they going to see it? You know, what's, right. you know, is my voice heard? Um, but this is a great place to, to exercise that voice and to call up Robin, call up Carlene and say, this is what's going on. You know, I'm a homeschooler who has, you know, I've really benefited from this program. 
Right. And can we continue with this? Or, you know, I'm in school and, you know, I, I'm happier. I would love to hear your perspective on this curriculum or, you know, these other matters as well. So, yeah, it, it's an extremely important part of the democratic process, I feel. I could not agree more. And everything is local, you know. Yes, it <laughs> like is. It starts local. local. Yes. It starts local. Yes. And somebody reminded me that, um, in the old days where people got together to build the school room right. got together because it's a community effort. And so some of my other colleagues, my other friends that we have kids around the same age, so their kids are grown. And when I went door knocking, I ran into them. They said, Colleen, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, your kids are all gone. <laughs> and I said, because I still live in the community. I still care. It's yeah. a community effort. You don't just say, okay, my kids are gone. I don't care what happens to the school anymore. You know, like you don't do that because you still live in the the community. You're part of the community. You're an elder now. People look up to you. You right. know, you've gone through the process. And also your kids could come back. And when they say, mom, this was a really good course in college, I was well prepared. You know, you could share back with the community what worked and what didn't work. You know, you have some insights. And so I think it's bad just to remove yourself because your kids are gone. You're in the community. It, education is a community effort. We, we're all involved. And these are our kids that we educate that goes out to be doctors or lawyers or whatever that we'll need, <laughs> that we'll need later in life. You know, that's right. these are yeah, our yeah. kids. And if we don't, if we don't prepare them, who will? Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. That's how so, I see so I want to ask you the big question then, now that you, as a homeschooling parent, as a parent with grown homeschoolers now and many years providing that support and service with your family and now on the school board, do you think that the education system needs to change? Yes and no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had such a wonderful time homeschooling my kids, but that was five and they were all around the same age. And even then, they all had different personalities that I had to adjust my teaching to, that I had to curtail and change for different kids. And for the school board, now that I'm on the other side, they have a lot to deal with. They have special ed to deal with. They have um, overachievers, underachievers, parents that they have to answer to. It's hard. And I think in the district that I live in and, and State College, I think they're doing a good job. I really do. Trying to accommodate all these different groups. We have this Delta school that is kind of like they try to want to be homeschooling, kind of let the kids direct their learning there mm -hmm. for the kids that kind of don't feel the mold, don't want to be structured. And parents can't homeschool them for whatever reason. So they're doing like this hybrid schooling that's called a Delta school. And um, the parents that have gone through there, um, they love it. You know, they've come back and they said, this was the best thing for my kid. They enjoyed being part of the, um, the education system, making choices. Some things that we talk about from homeschooling that yeah. we do with our own kids. So I think that the school district would, all the kids that they have, they're trying their best. Could they be improved upon? Of course they can. But some curriculums be changed. Yes, they're trying to put more critical thinking in it, um, which I definitely love. Um, so I can't fault them for not being a homeschooling 
environment like mine because the numbers are so different you know right um and so now I'm on the other side I'm thinking oh my god I used to complain about that and it's hard to change it but which we're, we're trying I, I I think that we're understanding that education is not just about dictating to kids you know it's a give and take um it's allowing kids to have a voice in it and we just had a work session with the students to the new school board members of what the kids felt that they needed in their education. We're listening Fantastic. to them. And that was never a case before. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, so, it absolutely uh, is. So this is why I say yes and no. I do think that I love homeschooling my kids and I think they got a lot out of it. But as a school district, when you're multiplying five by a hundred, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to do for individual kids. Yeah, it is. Um, when you have a large structure and many moving parts, many yes. people, not just the students, but also you have to accommodate the needs of the staff as yes. well and parents and, and others that are yes. connected with it. It's um, it's um, and I yeah, it is hard to to individualize because it becomes about putting as many through within the efficiency as yes. possible, really. Right. right. The structure right. calls for that. Right. right. So, um, yeah, it's I know it's an interesting dichotomy and it many rabbit holes to go down <laughs> with that yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then you have that you try to teach the average kid, but yes. then you leave out the two others. Yes. And they're also very important. And then when you make only gifted programs and other people get upset because, wait a minute, now you're just separating these other kids. And so how do you choose people to be in your gifted program? Like, what are the criteria? And it's not easy to please everyone. And, no. you know, and so you try to do the best you can. And I think in our school district, and it's not a poor school district, we have some funds, we have the facilities, and that helps a lot. You know, when you have funding, you know, you have parents are invested in the education and the money that they're, that school taxes. I don't know when you said about in Canada, getting rid of the school board, my first thing was like, who collects the property tax? <laughs> because for us, that's a big thing. Property taxes, that's what goes to paying the school board. Yeah, it's very different in the United. We don't do that. We school divisions actually. It's so like we have our provinces here, like you have your state. Right. It's provincial right. education. It's not a federal uh, ministry. It's a provincial ministry, okay. and then the funds are actually distributed by student count. So it's not where you live necessarily. It's okay. We have this many kids in our school division, so each student head each head gets a certain right. gets the money so mm -hmm. you know it, it it it's so if you have a lot of kids you mm -hmm. obviously get more funding but then you also have to spend for the infrastructure to accommodate that many kids if you don't have as many kids then you still have to pay for that infrastructure that might not be full or that might you know you'll have you have to pay for the heating and all those other things or, um, you know, there, there's other other concerns, obviously, that always go with it. But that's it doesn't go by those those areas, although um, 
There are some areas where, for example, the parent council can do fundraising that may they may be able to put towards certain resources like books in the school kind of thing. And you might have some areas where their fundraising is massive in that way as well. Right. Or or because it's a new district, um, the new school gets all of the new tech, gets all of the new building so that it is as opposed to, you know, where where we live, where, you know, it's out of the way and, you know, it's, the new schools are quite limited in that way. So, yeah, so it's, it's very different, but at the same time, um, it equalizes a lot because you're not divided by neighborhoods in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is depending where you are, your services become limited. So any services that support support students, like if there's anything collaboration with speech therapy or, um, therapists or things like that, uh, depending where you are, they can be limited because they might be in the more urban or affluent areas. I see. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, so it's, it's a a different environment that we're working Mm -hmm. with up here in that way. Yeah. Well, see, we get state funding also, but it's never adequate. And that's, there's a big Mm -hmm. lawsuit going on now in Pennsylvania for not funding the schools properly, that it's in state constitution, that it should be funded properly, and it's not being funded. And this is where the property taxes come in. So if you live in a district that has um, um, a lot of wealthy people, then you could afford to have the property tax higher to help the school district. Right. And so, and, and that shouldn't really be the case, but then that's what happens. And then people want to move into these areas because of, of course. the public school system is, is yeah. better because they have more facilities. Right. Of course. So then the property tax, the, the value goes up. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so interesting how it's all interconnected in that way, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things I think you and I could talk about for a long time, <laughs> but for the listeners, sorry, we won't go down that other other way right now we'll have to do that on our own time but I do as well want you to talk about your book a bit more because we did talk about it in the first episode um and now it's ready it's ready yes it's now we okay so if you're listening um it will be ready when this airs you can purchase the book and I'll have a link to Carlene's website and to where you can purchase the book um so tell me more about the book and why you decided to write it and why you think it's important for homeschoolers to read it. But I think it's still important for even if you're not homeschooling, why it would be. Exactly. Like we said, education is about life and life happens and you don't homeschool or do education in a vacuum. So even though the title is a it is about how I start homeschooling my kids, but we go through and it covers the 20 year span. Mm-hmm. So by the, you see my kids being born and you see them leaving the <laughs> nest, you know? Yeah. And so people have told me, oh, my God, I've seen I've read. I've seen your kids grow up in front of my eyes, you know, because yes. that's how I try to do it. So I have the early years, the middle years and then the other, you know, the ending years. And then we do have the middle years where we have the teenage years because my kids, I have five under five at one point, you know, and so they went, bless you, bless you, 
<laughs> so they went through the bunny years together, which was fun. Then they went through the teenage years together and then the college years together. So that's financing, you know, so that was a lot. That was a lot to plan for. And so when I begin the book, like we talk about, I talk about my illness and then I flash back to how I started homeschooling, why I started homeschooling, and then um, and how it and then I try to give the identity of each of the kids. They have a beginning and I name each one of them, the musical one, the creative one, because they're all so different. And so I wanted to point that out, you know, and I had to teach to their strength. And so then after that, um, so when I flash back, that's doing my first chemo treatment and I fall asleep and I just think about my life with my kids. And then when I wake up now in the present and then moving forward, it you the you know, the readers don't know what's going to happen next, you know, moving forward. Now they've caught up to me telling the story and then everything that I mentioned in the book um, is a reason for it. Everything ties up together at the end. And so that's, I kind of like that idea. So everything. And so somebody read it. They said, I thought you just mentioned it, but I see that why you mentioned it. So everything ties up. And again, I wanted to show, so doing the whole Haiti earthquake when I was devastated, I couldn't teach my kids for like that week. You know, I was, I wanted to go to Haiti. I wanted to help out. I, I told my husband, I got to go, you know, and yeah. then the Trayvon Martin killing. And then um, the Arab Spring has a showing in there because life happens and you have to talk to your kids about these events and also learn from these events and why yes. it happened. They're going to have questions for you. And one of the things that I, there's a part about the different subjects, the different um, subjects that I put my kids that were not normal subjects that, and why? Because it was always a question they wanted to know. And, right. and I told that, okay, well, we'll learn it together. We'll find it out together. If you're interested in this, we're going to do it. And so I never lied to my kids. And that was a big thing. I said, that if I don't know the answer. We're going to find it together. I don't want to lie to you. And I don't want you to lie to me. And that was a big thing. I never wanted my kids to lie to me. I said, <laughs> because I'll never trust you again. That will not help our relationship. And I think in any relationship, a husband, wife, sister, once someone lies to you, even a big lie, and to me, the, the smaller lies hurt me more than the big ones because I'm thinking, why would you why? actually lie about that? You know, like, right, why? it's yeah. such a simple thing. If you're going to lie to me about that, then what could you lie to me later on? You know? Right. And so, um, so that was, so that I definitely talk about in the book. And then, um, yeah, so I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, as you should be. I think it's a Thank beautiful you. work and it's a beautiful reflection of, of your life as well. So maybe if you could also... Just briefly, because I'm, I'm also want to refer others to your your first episode. But getting into homeschooling, what were some of the big catalyst moments of why you wanted to homeschool? You briefly mentioned it earlier that your kids were just like, "We're not going to school anymore, Mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is not happening for us anymore." But <laughs> how did you then? Because you had a practice, you were busy. You you know you had your own practice. Um, and then say, okay, you know what? It's time for me to set this aside and support mm -hmm. my kids' needs right now. Um, it's the two of them, my two oldest did not want to go to school anymore for different reasons. And then my third one got injured by the babysitter. And so then my husband and I were both physicians and our hours were crazy. One weekend he's on call, another weekend. It, it was just such a chaotic life. I really, 
something had to give. And we had in central Pennsylvania, we had no family here at all. My right. parents were in Florida. My sister's in Florida. My other one was in Chicago, um, Maryland. They were, and so I never had that support. And so when I came home and we, this happened to my son and my husband says, you know, one of us has to quit their job. And that was really sneaky of him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he never said me, you know, <laughs> we all do, he messed me. But he always said, I never said you. <laughs> that was part of him. But also I wanted, I come from a family of six. Mm -hmm. My oldest sister is my father's child, but we are really close. So sometimes I say five, sometimes I say six, and people have caught me on that. <laughs> but my husband also comes from a family of five. And um, so I just felt that was such a magical number. <laughs> I just always wanted five. But after two, we had a girl and a boy. My husband says, we're done. And I said, what do you mean we're done? We, are, we agreed on five. And he goes, that was before we knew how hard it was to raise kids. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so um, I still want my five, but I set up for four. And then I got my twins. So I ended up getting five afterward. <laughs> so... I just felt that because of the fact that I wanted this large family, I would have to be the one to give up my job. You know, mm -hmm. I felt that, you know, it, it it fell on me because I wanted those kids. And I just knew that if something was a foreshadowing of what else could happen to my kids when I'm at work, you know, they were so young. Um, and there was all that history of the baby shaking syndrome at the time that was going on where the babysitter injured a, a child, the child was in the ICU. And actually it did happen to one of my girlfriends, brother that hurt the babysitter um, accidentally hurt the child and the child ended up in the ICU it was a touch and go period. And then I just said, we couldn't go on like this. It, it was just too hard. I always thought I would go back to work though. I figured, okay, I'll give the first 10 years and I will homeschool them for 10 years or so <laughs> and middle school and everything else, I'll go back. And it just never happened. Then I got sick and everything else. So that could happen. But um, that was what I was thinking. OK, I'll do it. I, they're my kids. They're my responsibility. You know, I owe them that. Um, and so that's basically how that started. And yeah, you continued all the way through after five. I did. That's, that's a big number. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> So I would like, and I also want to be mindful of our time as well, because I know you still have a few things you're, you're attending to for tonight and this weekend. Uh, where can we reach you or get a hold of you? Um, yeah, your contact. Where should we find out more and where can we get the book? Okay. My Pressure Makes Diamonds. Yes. Sorry, I wanted to say the title here. Make sure we get the title in there as well. From Homeschool to the Ivy League. There's a lot of other books that came out in the meantime when I wrote my book of Fresh and Makes Diamonds. So people say, I can't find your book. <laughs> so don't forget from Homeschooling to the Ivy League. That's important. Okay. Um, my website is the best. Um, it's ColleenKerfKerr.com. And on my website, it has a link to where you could buy the book. Either you want to go through Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, or if you want to go to um, um, those uh, private solo um, publishers that I like to aspire to also. I like to send people there also. There's a choice and there's a link that they could use for doing that. Amazon right now is the only one that could take pre-orders of my book okay. because it comes out on uh, November 20th. 
But then other than that, they should be able to um, link up to go to my website and follow the link there. That's the easiest way. And on my website too, it has my Twitter. It has my Instagram if they want to send me a message, but going and they could still send me a message through my website also. Okay, perfect. And I'll include it in the show notes too. So if you're listening, you can just go to the show notes and hit the link there. I'll, I'll link that. So just to make it easy. <laughs> you don't have to type anything in, just hit the link and it will send you to the website. Well, all right. Um, is there any last advice or thoughts you would like to leave us with? Um, anything for, you know, as you know, homeschooling is exponentially growing in these last yes. few years and it actually does some said oh it's going to start slowing down this year it doesn't look like it's slowing down um and there's many you know people just they you know are not happy with where their kids are at the moment being online during the first lockdown parents got a chance to see what it was like when maybe they didn't before and they said okay I want to keep trying this maybe work has shifted like the style and our work environment has really changed a lot of people are still at home working online at home and so they've kept their kids with them as well so many different factors um, new businesses have started businesses have closed things have shifted uh, and homeschooling is growing for many reasons it's not just the one atypical homeschooler that people used to think about the exactly. community is so diverse now in so exactly. many ways which I think is fantastic I do too yeah so if I, I'm a new if I'm a mom who's looking at homeschooling uh -huh. what are some of you know what are a few things that you would recommend that I do to start out reach out to um, your fellow homeschoolers in your area because like we talked about before, different states have different requirements. And so you wanna make sure that you're not cited for something you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So you wanna know what the criteria are for your state and you wanna speak to other parents that are doing it. And then once you've got all that information, um, you wanna look into the curriculum that you wanna start with your kids. And depending on how old they are, you wanna get them involved. You want it to be an exciting experience for both, you know, for both parties. And, and because if they like it too, and you like it, it's gonna be so much, so much easier. Um, mm -hmm. The ideas, and, and to me, when somebody told me, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you, you're homeschooling your kids. What happened if you run out of materials? And I'm thinking, are you kidding? <laughs> are you really kidding? You don't want to have materials. To me, it was, oh my God, I want to teach them so many things. I can't yeah. them at all. How do you choose? You yeah. choose. And my daughter, everyone, because as I got more confident and I was putting in more courses, um, my three little ones were saying, oh, mom, remember when you did this and that with us? And Danielle would say, you never did this with me, mom. You know, I said, <laughs> I did other things with you, sweetheart. I can't do everything, you know? So having an idea, and I mentioned about the portfolio that we had to do in Pennsylvania, about having your outline and you have to hand in your affidavits to the school district. To me, that helped me organize what I wanted to teach my kids. Mm -hmm. it, it let me stay focused. And I, of course you could change it down the road if you find something else. But having that outline really helped my kids and I, we planned on what we should learn, you know, on what we should learn each semester, each school year. And so 
you have to speak with someone, you have to know what the protocols are in your school district, and then you set out to involve your kids in making your curriculum. And then you go for it and it's not going to be perfect and that's okay, you know, no one is perfect. And you just roll with the punches and one day you're gonna say, oh my God, today I have such a migraine, you know? And I say, kids, why don't we just do this for today, you know? And the next day you pick it up again and, um, and, it, and it works. And <laughs> Every time my kids had their birthday, that's a holiday for us. That's a day to go to the park and play. And the first time that my kids were in school and they had a test on their birthday, they were like, oh, my God. (laughs) Change this, mom. This is not right. (laughs) Exactly. So you have to enjoy the process. It's not it's it's challenging, but it's also exciting and it's fun. And you have to believe that and you have to go in it with that attitude because if not, you're going to fail. But you also have to know that there are times that it's going to be hard, but that's not the time you give up. This is the time that you've expected. Okay, this was a little hard, but I'm going to persevere. And that's how you that's how you do it for the long haul. And, And then it turns out to be such a beautiful experience. Yeah, absolutely. The diamonds, the diamonds that we gain from it, right? (laughs) The gems that are unearthed. Absolutely. That is beautiful. (laughs) Well, I, it's great to talk to you again and connect. It's great to get a chance to see your face this time. Those listening, you, you don't get to see Carlene right now, but um, (laughs) it was nice to see you on the screen today. And thank you for coming back on the podcast. I'm excited about your book and I will be sharing it as well. And um, yeah, reach out. If you are in her district, in her area, she is your school board trustee. So (laughs) if you're in central Pennsylvania, it's fantastic. But a a mother who understands so a diverse perspective in more ways than one, actually, not just in homeschooling, but um, in so many ways that we actually didn't even talk about again on this episode. So yeah. yeah, it's important. And I think it's it's what every board and organization and community needs. It only makes it better. I think so, so too. Thank you for saying that. No, thank you. All right. We'll take care. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website imhomeschooling.com or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com.